Hello, everyone. It's time for another edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show with Rich Baxter and Gary Mack. This week, we're talking about the changing of the guard in the NL East, what went on to make that happen, and a whole lot more about all of the other teams in the major leagues. We hope you enjoy the show. And Gary is back feeling better than ever. That's great news. Hope you love the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show. We're talking all about the world of baseball. My name is Rich Baxter, and I'm joined with Mr. Gary Mack, who's back. How you doing, Gary? Hello there, Mr. Baxter. It's so nice to be back with you again. Uh, sorry I missed last week, but uh, your friend Joe Q did a fantastic job. And I'm so glad that you guys were able to get an episode out. And uh, thanks, Joe, so much for, for uh, stepping in and uh, being a designated uh, host for a week or so. So uh, yeah. thank you again. Uh, great job. Yeah, Joey made his debut in a podcast. His whole family watched it twice, pushed our numbers up. Joey, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, you had a nice few days off. You flew down to Florida. You had fun. So I uh, hope everything went well for you there. And meanwhile, Gary, back. Uh, so glad to see you back and I hope you're feeling much better. I know you had some aches and pains and uh, I just hope you feel much better. I do. I do. Thank you so much. I had a little neck issue, but it's uh, all cleared up now. Uh, until the next time, one of those chronic things that comes around. But uh, no, I'm feeling much better, Rich. Thank you so much. Awesome. So we had some big changes in the world of baseball in the last week. And I looked up at the at the screen one day, Gary, and I, I saw that the Phillies were in contention to, <laughs> to maybe grab first place. And that's indeed what happened. What, what a change of uh, changing of the guard there in the NL East. Well, you know, the Phillies have been playing some good ball and they've won seven in a row now and they wiped away a three and a half game deficit that they had over my New York Mets who just played awful ball and uh, they are in first place. And as I said in a post on, uh, I think it was Facebook the other day, if the Phillies had any bullpen the beginning of the year, I think they'd probably be about six, seven games up right now. Um, they lost a lot of games because the bullpen was ba- is bad. Now, they've shorted it up a little bit, and it helps, but the uh, Mets made a comeback last night, uh, three home runs in a row in the ninth, and it looked a little shaky there for a while. Uh, but they were able to send the tide, the uh, Phillies, and – and get the uh, three outs. But uh, yeah, look, seven games in a row, they won and they've hit like crazy. And um, the Mets have no offense at all. Um, They need to rip their team apart. I know a lot of Mets fans are saying, uh, well, we were in first place and blah, blah. Yeah, but you be the reason the Mets were in first place is they had good pitching in the first half. They had timely hitting. And, uh, but, you know, if you watch a lot of baseball, you kind of were waiting for this to happen. And I can explain why very simply it's that the, 
these guys, the Mets team is full of swingers. I mean, all they want to do is hit home runs. So, or hit into the shift. So um, they try to cream everything. They strike out like crazy. They have poor management. They have poor front office. I mean, they go make a trade. They trade a potential superstar first round pick. I know you don't know what picks, uh, but they go and they trade that. And who do they get back? They get another hitter back. That's a strikeout machine. Javier Baez, who in my estimation is not a very good ball player. Um, the, the thing about everybody says around here, well, he won a gold glove. He's so great. He won a gold glove last year in a 60 game season. So I'll just leave that at that. Uh, he, he, he swings at anything. The guy's got 140, I think, strikeouts already in half a season. Uh, terrible hitter. Uh, they say he's got baseball instincts. I don't think he does that that much. Um, of course, all he announces the Raven. He he slid into home plate the other night, and as uh, first off, he slid in head first, which is completely stupid. And uh, as the catcher was going to tag him, he lifted his arm. So everybody's oh, what a brilliant move! Look at those instincts. And if the catcher fell on his hand and broke his hand, what would you be saying? So uh, stupid move sliding in head first. Um, he's got no arm whatsoever. His arm is a, is a rag arm, as we used to say years ago. I don't know if they still use that term, uh, but uh, his arm isn't good for sure at all. And uh, uh, and so the Mets traded him with a first round pick that everybody wanted and uh, and a pitcher. That they need. Now, keep in mind that the day of the deadline, the Mets knew that Jacob DeGrom was going to be shut down for two more weeks and couldn't pitch. So they traded and they get this pitcher from the Cubs with Javi Baez. But then they send the trip, the pitcher to to AAA. We haven't seen them yet. (laughs) So they don't know what they're doing. If anybody wants to hear more, hear me yell and rant. They can listen to my latest edition of Mets Musings. I go on quite the rant there. So uh, I I don't want to bore everybody here. But congratulations to the Phillies. They earned it. They deserve it. And they deserve to be there. They went out at the trade deadline. They got a starting pitching pitcher. They got a relief pitcher or two, and they made their club better. And that's what the Mets team did not. They went out and got a hitter that was they needed a contact hitter. They didn't need another power hitter. The problem, though, is they are infatuated in the organization with power hitters, and they keep bringing in power hitters who are strikeout kings and their own self-proclaimed best best power hitter in baseball. Pete Alonso has been doing nothing but striking out left and right. So um, they have not played well at all. Uh, I feel bad for some of the pitches because if they, you know, they're walking the tightrope, if they give up a run or two, then they gotta be like, you know, they tense up, but I can't give up any more runs. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, in the two games with Philly so far, they scored seven runs total. Uh, it looked like it was going to be even less than that, six or seven. And you can't win serious like that. And uh, so 
uh, they deserve to be where they are, and uh, the Phillies deserve to be where they are. Now, can they hold on? The Braves are winning. The Braves yeah. are coming on. I don't know what the Braves did last night, but as far as the NL East is concerned, um, the Braves are starting to come on. So, and you know, they lost to Kuna, but they got a good young team too. They've got pretty good pitching and a good bullpen. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. And uh, the other divisions, I think it's, it's not that close. Uh, Milwaukee and Cincinnati are going to fight it out, but, I think real Milwaukee is really the class of that org, uh, that division uh, right now, Rich. And in the West, uh, as much as the Giants and the Dodgers keep trying, and you know you got to give it to the Dodgers, they went out at the deadline trying to win. Uh, they got Scherzer, they got uh, uh, Turner, they got um, uh, who was the other? Uh, um, Oh boy. Oh, they got some other pitching too. They really shored up themselves, but the Giants just seem to keep rolling along. So we'll have to see how that that should be interesting. Um San Diego, Tatis Jr. is in and out of the lineup, and he's really the key out there. If he can keep going, um, you know, but I think they're gonna be a wild card. Maybe they could lose that wild card if Tatis Jr. He's got that shoulder injury and his shoulder pops in and out. And uh, if they can uh, keep him in the lineup, they got a chance to, to get in. But they're going to have to watch it if they lose him for any extended period of time. And they're talking about he's going to eventually need surgery on that shoulder. So um, that could be an off-season thing. What I would consider doing if I would am in another few weeks, if he's still having trouble and I don't know what the latest is about him. I, I just shut him down. Now I have the surgery now and let him start healing. Um, but I yap too much, Rich. So uh, you, you go ahead. I will try to pick up the steam here um, out West. Um, and we brought this up on our show a couple of weeks ago. The run differentials, if you look at the run differentials on how many more runs that the NL West team has scored against their opponents, it's it's kind of a, a very strange situation. You have plus 129 for the San Francisco Giants, 165 plus for the L.A. Dodgers, and 100 runs plus for the Padres. So they've scored that many more runs than their opponents. Then you look up at the NL East. And it's a struggle. The Phillies <laughs> with minus eight, although they've improved that a little bit in the last couple games, um, but they've been hot in the last 10 games. They're eight and two. That's the reason they're in first place today. You know, if they didn't get to that hot streak, that run that we've been expecting, and believe it or not, they haven't won seven games in a row since I believe uh, 2012 was the figure that they circulated yesterday after the win and that's a that's a huge amount of time that's nine years ago is the well, last time that the phillies won seven in a row and that's hard to believe for me but that's the way this team has been it's been asleep for the past uh i want to say eight to ten years uh, we haven't been seeing much of anything 
from the Phillies. I'm surprised the faithful are still there. They had 37,057 uh, last night for the late afternoon ballpark game. And that was helped by the Mets. They had a lot of Mets fans there. Um, they occupied practically uh, the whole um, a second level up near the scoreboard. We used to call that uh, Harry Callis area. They had a restaurant named after him over there, but now they've changed that. Um, but yeah, a lot of Mets fans in town in Philadelphia, some good spirits going around. Uh, as you said, late in the game, three home runs, yeah. Phillies held them off some, uh, you know, magical way, but uh, the Phillies did pick up a nice closer in the uh, trade deadline. He's not anybody that you're going to read about on the front page, but Ian Kennedy uh, mm -hmm. is now the Phillies closer. So uh, 36 year old adds a little stability. Um, closed it out last night and an old player from the Phillies who was written off by many. And I've got to say this, a lot of people just were ready to turn the page on Odubel Herrera. He hit the three home run, three run home run last night. Bat went flying in the air, just like usual. And, uh, you know, not many people stood by him. As, as you might know, he went through a uh, domestic violence case a few years ago, a couple years ago, actually. And, you know, fans were mad at him. Press were mad at him. He was just about run out of town here in Philadelphia. Nobody would have cared. But the Phillies organization somehow kept a clinging on him, had some, you know, uh, spirit within him and, um, he was acquitted on all charges. All charges were dropped. And in this day and age of a social media jury judge and, uh, executioner, executioner. so to speak, it's, uh, it's good to know that at least the Phillies organization had enough in them to stay with a person that may not have been bad as portrayed in the social media. So little segue back to our, you know, weekend here that Gary and I, of course, Gary, a Mets fan, me, Phillies, and I've liked the Mets over the years. Um, great, great, great get together with these two teams this weekend. I'm so glad uh, it's uh, happening. And, and just to go back to Herrera, I think the move to left field helped him too. Uh, he was what a shortstop he came up as. He was not a regular outfielder, right? And they put him in center. Yeah, he was in he center. Played, mm -hmm. Or maybe Texas had moved him to center, and uh, and and now he's playing more left, I think. And maybe that helped him too. It took a lot of pressure off of him. Uh, but as you said, he he uh. He he had a uh, having a good series, and look, they've got a decent team. The, the Phillies, there's nothing to argue about. It just shows you, though, with that National League East, how bad it is, and that's not a knock on the teams. You know, you you could look at it and say, well, the teams are all bad, or they're that good that uh, you know they're all equal or something. I, I you know, um, but it just shows you how tenuous that that lead is because the Mets had that three and a half game lead all season and one hot streak by another team and one cold streak and bam, it's gone like that. And, uh, 
you know, I I don't see the Mets writing the ship right away, to tell you the truth, uh, simply because they don't. I'll just say it this way. They don't know how to hit. You know, everything is a home run. And, and look, they hit three home runs in the ninth. That's the only yeah. way they score runs. Right. They've had in this series, they've had the bases loaded a couple of times with nobody out. And scored nothing of the first Friday night, first inning. I believe they had the bases loaded. Nobody out. Couldn't score. Yeah. Right yeah. before that in Miami or two nights before that first inning, bases loaded, nobody out. Nobody scored because what happens is then the guy comes up and strikes out. And then the next guy hits into a double play or he strikes out. And then the third guy and then whoever comes up then pops out. Yeah. That's the that's the ammo all the time. Yeah. And quite frankly, it, it's it's sickening at this point. And then for them to add the same kind of hitter at the trading deadline, instead of going out and getting somebody that makes cut. Look, the Yankees went out and they got Rizzo and they got Gallo. Gallo's a power hitter. He hits he it's a home runner. He strikes out. That's fine, right? But they needed a left-handed for the for the short fence. Rizzo's a contact hitter. He also can hit home runs with that short fence. So what? He's hitting home runs like crazy. Gallo hit a, a three hits the other day, and and the Yankees are winning now. Um, the Mets come up with excuses all the time. Uh, they could have had Berrios for their left fielder and and uh, one of their top prospects, but not their very top prospect. Who's a shortstop who is stuck now because he's stuck behind Lindor for the next 10 years. He's 19 years old. Uh, he's playing at high A ball. Um, he's filled out. I mean, he's really growing nice. He's got 15 homers in in a ballpark that's very difficult to hit home runs in Brooklyn. And he's stuck. And they could have got burials from the Twins for him and their current left fielder, Dom Smith, and they said the price was too high. It was, that's not high at all. I would have made that move in a heartbeat. All right. <laughs> Well, and this is what's wrong. We'll see with the teams that have made the moves that they have. Uh, will that help them coming down the line? Uh, not so sure in the Phillies uh, sphere that the moves that they made are the reasons why they're excelling right now. Certainly the bullpen being upgraded a little bit was a big, huge help. Five of the guys that were terrible in the bullpen are on IL right now. So they're not even on the Phillies team. And yeah, frankly, they should just tell them, you know, have a nice day and, you know, <laughs> go back to the minors or wherever you want to go, but don't come back to Philadelphia. <laughs> but uh, well, I, I, Rich, I think what they did was I think they energized the team by filling needs. Everybody knew that they could hit. Riamuto, Harper, they got a good lineup there. Uh, Miller's played good for Hoskins now. Um, and I, I think 
what they needed was a starting pitcher and, and a bullpen guy. And they went out and they got both of that. And I think that invigorated that team. Yeah. Whereas the Mets, you know, and I hate to keep example using the Mets, but the Mets weren't invigorated by what they received because uh, they got a hothead and they got a, uh, oh, he lo- you know, New Yorkers say, oh, he plays hard. No, he's a hothead. He yells and screams a lot for no freaking reason. Right. Um, you know, the Dodgers did the same thing. The Giants, by getting Chris Bryant, they brought in some a new face with a power bat. And that helped them. And as I said, the Phillies, the Braves helped themselves a little bit. Um, you know, the teams that really didn't really do much. As I said, the Mets, uh, the Padres really, they struck out left and right. I mean, they were they were in on uh, a couple of the, they were supposed to have uh, Scherzer. They were close to signing Scherzer. And uh, that deal fell through and he ended up with the Dodgers. And, you know, something like that can really hurt you as well. And, um, you know, the Rockies, who were going nowhere, uh, held on to Trevor Story, one of their big uh, uh, chips that they could have used to make their team better. And they didn't. So they would have to consider being a loser as well in in the uh, trade deadline. But, um I don't know. It should be interesting as we get bunched up in the NL East. And, and the, it's funny because we're getting bunched up and, and the other ones are starting to spread apart a little bit. Uh, you know, in the AL Central, I, I think it's all White Sox. I don't think anybody's going to catch them at this point. Um, Houston and Oakland are battling out in the West and, and Seattle's on the, the outside there. But I think Houston's starting to spread it a little bit. Um, the AL East is an interesting thing between the Red Sox and Tampa Bay. They keep switching back and forth between first place. And and the Yankees are sneaking up there. But I think they've got a, a long way to go before they get back into this thing. Um, they're looking for a wild card at this point, I believe. So, uh So there are some races, and it should be an interesting stretch. You know, we're, we're uh, a quarter of the way through uh, August and, and uh, with uh, September coming up, it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, the Phillies um, face the Dodgers for three games after the Mets series. Then they have to play the Padres for three games out in San Francisco. And then they come home to the Tampa Bay Rays. So it doesn't get easier on the schedule for the Phillies. We'll have to see. If by the end of the month, they're still in first place after that. But uh, great time around the ballpark. Uh, this weekend, they had the alumni uh, weekend, they call it. They bring in all the old players. They stay for the weekend and appear at different games before the game. I almost got tickets to today's game uh, up there in Philadelphia. They're retiring Roy Halliday's jersey, believe it or not, with the Phillies. Uh, number 34 going to be retired this afternoon on Sunday, uh, August 8th, 2021 in Philadelphia. So uh, going to be a festive time up there and uh, game to follow. And as I said, Gary, there's a lot of ton of news that uh, came through in the last week. And we lost uh, a legend of, uh, of many years ago on the mound. I was very surprised to see this story. 
Yeah, J.R. Richard, the uh, former Houston Astros pitcher, led the National League twice in strikeouts and uh, whose career was cut short by a stroke. There's something you don't hear at a young age. He died this past week. He was 71 years old. Uh, he died in a Houston hospital. Uh, a cause of death was not given, but a family member told the Houston Chronicle that he was hospitalized last month with complications from COVID-19. Uh, for those of you that are old enough to remember J.R. Richards, he was a six foot eight, really scary looking guy on the mound. Um, he led the National League in strikeout 78-79, becoming the first Houston pitcher to top 300 uh, K's in a season. He was inducted into the Astros inaugural Hall of Fame in 2020. He was off to a 10 and 4 start in 1980 when he suffered a stroke after playing catch inside the Astrodome on July 30th, 1980. He never pitched in the majors again. Uh, he finished with a 107 71 career mark with a 3.15 ERA. And Rich, I don't know if you remember him. You're a little younger than I am, but he was a scary guy. Um, he was Gibson like on the mound, um, but even a tad wilder. So he was a, he was a scary guy to get up and face. He, he was he was a scary guy to watch pitch because yeah. he was so. You know, in 1978-79, you didn't see a little lot of six, 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 nine pitchers. Guys that size played basketball back then. Now you see a lot of them. You see more of them. Uh, and uh, he was very imposing on the mound and uh, uh, a really good pitch. And for him to suffer stroke at, at, um, at a young age was something. And uh, then he had a kind of a rough life. If, if I remember correctly, I think he was homeless for a while and um, living on a bridge or something. And I think the Astros eventually, you know, helped him out when they found out about that. But um, just a shame. And 71, that's still pretty young nowadays and um, pass away and uh our, our uh, uh, you know, our best wishes go out to his family. And, and uh, he was certainly uh, a, a great and was probably headed for the Hall of Fame if he if he would have stayed healthy. Yeah. And I, I specifically remember back in the day, um, drug abuse charges against Richard. Um, so that may have continued, you know, contributed to a, a lot of his problems that that he fell into. Uh, right. but yeah, you're right. He was a, a massive uh, figure on the mound, uh, sort of like a, a Randy Johnson, you know, tall, imposing player, right. pitched hard, you know, about the same way J.R. Richard pitched. He just reared back and and let it roll. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's a sad story, probably his career, the way he reached the heights that he did. And then um, with whatever he went through personally, either the drug abuse, the sickness, the illness and, um, you know, becoming homeless or 
what have you. Um, he, he still managed to survive and live a somewhat decent long life. So uh, J.R. Richard, one of the uh, names of the 80s, so to speak, if you're not of that era, he's just a name to you. He, you never experienced all that he had to offer uh, as a pitcher. So uh, J.R. Richard passed away at 71 years old. And, and you um, know, Rich, mm-hmm. he he really only played like five years. And you think about that, uh, 107 wins in five years. That's, you know, that's close to like 20 games a season. So, you know, who knows what would have happened if he stayed healthy. They said it was a blood clot in his neck that caused a stroke. Uh, he did try to make a comeback in 81 but the stroke slowed down his reaction time and weakened his depth perception. And if you know, uh, you know, you can't have that with when you're 60 feet, six feet away from uh, the batter's box and that ball shooting back at you, you, you can't be slow reacting. So um, just to say a, a shame and, um, but uh, he did turn his life around at the end and was a, a minister. So uh, good luck for him. So, Yes, indeed. Um, our condolences to uh, the fans and the family out there for J.R. Richard. And um, getting back to the series between the Phillies and the Mets, Gary, uh, I was surprised. I was watching the recap of the game last night, and I watched the Mets feed of the of the game to get a different perspective and i was so surprised the mets broadcast uh was excellent last night gary thorne taking the mic there for this series and uh they're still not following the team they're still in the studio back in new york watching the monitors and the feed that they get of the game and i I just thought they did a wonderful job doing that yeah, the regular announcer Gary Cohen, I guess, had the weekend off. He had it off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, it's a whole whole new world, Rich. I mean, baseball players never went on maternity leave when when they had a baby. They just, you know, it, they played their game, and and announcers never took weekends or weeks off at a time during a baseball season. You're a baseball and you're off all winter unless you're doing another sport, and that's by choice. Um, I, I don't understand it, but yeah, you know. Uh yeah, Gary Thorne did a good job, though he's getting hammered in New York. They 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 don't like him, but they used to uh, Gary Cohen, and then when you get a new voice in there, it it's a little difficult. And as you said, they um they are on uh, not traveling with the team. And in fact, it's even worse with the Mets this weekend uh, because there's a, a concert or there was a concert at City Field. So they usually they broadcast from City Field. They couldn't even do that. So they were in a studio in Connecticut. The truck was in uh, Queens at City Field, their production truck. Um they had their on-field reporter was in the network studios in Manhattan. 
<laughs> and the game was in Philadelphia. So they were all over the place. And I did notice a couple of times that Gary Thorne would be calling like uh, a, like one of the home runs. It was clearly the ball was out of the ballpark before and he, he would was call saying, it. and before he was calling it because it was a there's a delay. Yeah. And why they're not traveling again, I don't know. Um, I think at this point they're going to use COVID as an excuse, but I think it's a cost cutting issue. Um, they don't have to pay for hotels. They don't have to pay for air flight. None of that. Uh, and, and, you know, it almost makes you wonder, do they really have to travel? Will they travel in the future? Um, does it help a broadcast? Yes. There's no delay. And, and they're they there watching. To- they're there watching the, the, the game. I, like I was saying, I almost bought a ticket to today's game. I was going to run up. It's a totally different experience than sitting, watching it on a monitor. Totally. You take in a lot of different things that you can't see on a television broadcast being there in person. I think it's a crying shame. I think baseball should step in and, and make a rule. Hey, you have, you know, you have to go to these ballparks and broadcast these games now, because as you said, even though I thought they did a great job of announcing the game, there was a delay. I mean, the ball was in the stands at one point and Gary Thorne is yelling, you know, it's, it's way back, out of here back <laughs> after it yeah. dropped after it had already been dropped in the stand. So I know, I know, but and uh, it's not Gary Thorne's fault. There no, is there's no. a delay. Uh, look, if, and if you want to see what a delay is, put a game on your TV and then go put it on your phone. I guarantee it'll be one of them will be behind the other. Yeah. Um, I can remember um, early in the season, a buddy of mine, uh, our good friend, Jeff Cohen, he, he, I forget what it was. The Mets either won or lost on a home run or something. I think they won on a walk off and he's, he texted me and I'm like, well, wait, wait, there's two strikes. What are you talking about? He, for some reason, his cable system, I guess, was ahead of mine or something. Uh-huh. So he had to, you know, it was like not long, but I still had it. The guy had two strikes on him and he had the guy hitting a home run. So. Yeah, there is wonder, a delay. You wonder how that happens this day and age, because. As we know, you know, they wanted to delay the broadcast coming out of the stadium because they didn't want certain words slipping over the microphones and they wanted to give them time to bleep that sort of stuff out. But nowadays, you know, you have that still in effect and you have, um, you know, delays from other venues. I'll get my feed over the internet on a Roku box and it's horribly delayed. It's about a minute and a half behind what right. is really happening. So it's, it's sort of like you're watching a game, but you're really, you're watching a delayed feed of the game, which is, is kind of odd, but uh, you know, they made, well, the you're always going to, you're always going to have a delay. It, it's the, you know, the signal goes and it gets transferred and all of this stuff. And, and I think what happened in that particular with the Mets game was the fact that the signal goes into 
uh, Queens and then it's getting relayed to, to Connecticut. And then so what they're getting is a little bit slower, you know, and uh, it was and and add to that Gary Thorne may not. Uh, I don't want to, you know, he may be out of out of practice a little bit, too, and doesn't want to take the chance where Gary Cohn would just say it's out of here. It looks like it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he might be able to judge better at this stage than Gary Thorne because Gary Thorne doesn't do baseball a lot anymore. I don't think, I don't know how much he's doing. Uh, Gary Thorne, by the way, used to be with the Mets many years ago, 30 some odd years ago. Um, and then, uh, he left. He went on to do Baltimore and number of the games of the week, and uh, you know had a full career. And I don't know what he's doing now, but he's ended up with the Mets a couple of times, which was you know kind of nice for us old Mets fans. We remember him, but uh, uh, people don't like change. And again, it, it's not his fault, you know, because you can hear the hesitation, even you know, um, but. It is what it is, but I think it's all financial, Rich. At this point, are the Phillies announcers tra uh, traveling? I don't believe they're traveling either. So I mean, I don't it's, think anybody. Yeah, it's it's the same thing for them. But you know, after not hearing Gary Thorne for many years do baseball, and I think he used to do like the Orioles at some point for a few yeah, years he there. Did hockey too, I believe, yeah. for a while. I think he's a great announcer, but uh, he's terrific. Just, he and um, his broadcast partner there worked very well last night. Yeah, Keith uh, Hernandez Keith, was Keith Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's one of the better player announcers that I've heard. Yeah, but um, yeah, they, they, it, it's it's a question of finances. I think at this point, Rich, I really do. Yep. Well, last story of the uh, program here. Uh, yesterday was National Baseball Card Day, and I hope uh, everybody that's getting back into the hobby uh, is looking at their cards, collecting them. Uh, this COVID thing has really re-inspired the, um, the baseball card market and all sports cards markets, for that matter. For some reason, everybody's been kept in, and now that you know different areas of the country are are open and uh, everybody's uh, out of that environment of being locked at home, so to speak, you know, that's really been a boon to the card collecting industry. So uh, big fans out there collecting. I know a couple of our listeners are um, collectors as well. So I'm going to do some features on card collecting throughout the year and off season. And uh, if you remember, we brought up a doctor's uh, collection down in Tampa um, that recently sold yeah. $21.5 million for all his sports cards collections. And, you know, it, it used to be, um, it used to be easy. Now it's so difficult. I, I, you know, and, and with me too, it, it's a, a lot to get to do with age. I admit that, but it, it's so confusing to me now. There used to be like a couple of brands, you know, you had tops and they put out a series 
And then you had maybe Donruss going back in the day. They put out a series. And then over the years, you had Score and uh, somebody else would put out a series. Now it is Tops has so many different series. Yeah. And then there's uh, uh, the Ginter or something and Ginter and um, – is just so much and it's you know and then they have these thicker cards that have like uniforms and they have names for them and i'm i apologize that i don't know i think it's great but it's it's like where do you start and and i'm gonna be looking forward to the series because you know i want i want to know like where does somebody start now you know, do you just if you just want to get the regular old fashioned uh, regular set of tops, what do you buy? You know, instead of legends or now we had special <laughs> things. If you remember, Rich, back in the day, we had special things like uh, we're looking at a turn back the clock thing. They would put that in. They'd put in rookies. They put in stats leaders and stuff like that, but it was all based on the regular set. Now they have whole different sets for different things. And um, boy, we should get some uh, card guys on here and talk about that because it is, it's fascinating uh, as, as well as confusing at the same time. And yeah. Um, you know, I remember over the years when I was a kid, they had a, a, a James Bond, but that was Tops. Tops would put out, uh, uh, you know, with conjunction with a James Bond movie or something. They had uh, um, they had a set of cards that would come out. I, I had a, a whole bunch of them for Thunderball in 1965 or something. Uh -huh. And if you collected the whole set on the back, was a puzzle and then you put the puzzle together and uh, I, I forget what it was now uh, but they used to have all the TV shows man from uncle had some cards I think Gilligan's Island even had some car had a card set mm -hmm. um, you don't see a lot of those yeah, football cards were not were around but they weren't very big in my when I was a kid yeah, uh, it was all baseball cards. Now you have, I think, hockey, you have football. Um, no golf. There was golf a couple of years ago, but they seem to, to not. Uh, I don't think they do anything with golf cards anymore. Um, but but it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And I think um, the only thing that, you know, what upset me about it was um, well, maybe that's not the correct word, but I went to a card show once just for the heck of it. And I saw these young kids and and it was great. You know, the kids are looking at cards and stuff. And I was uh, I thought that's great. You know, but then a uh -huh. kid buys a card and sticks it in this case right away. Right. And I thought, how sad is that? Um, we <laughs> we do our detriment. Used to, you know, use the cards for everything. We take the doubles and stick it in the spokes if, of our uh, bicycles. So it would, with a uh, uh, a clothespin, and it would make sound when you went around. You know, right? 
Uh, this is an been, investment nowadays. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it said we used to, you know, fling our cards against the, the wall and play games with them. Uh, who can top the card? And, and um, I, we used to do all kinds of things with them, you know, uh, especially with the commons. You know, yeah, you would do I, that. I remember very vividly in the early 70s, um, or the mid 70s, I'll call it, um, trading the, the great A's players, Vita Blue mm -hmm. and, you know, Jim Catfish Hunter for, you know, those cards are probably worth a fortune now. And of course, you know, when you're a kid and you're collecting back in the day, as you're talking about, Gary, is, you know, you had a shoebox full of them and everybody talks yeah. about that. And then that shoebox, mom threw it out, or you know, it it didn't make the move to a certain house that you moved. You you became a teenager and you tossed them out because you were done. You know, you had to clean stuff out. But uh, mm -hmm. imagine how much money must have been uh, going to the dumping baseball cards. Rich, we I would you would have a pack, and and that would be you know you'd have your your cards. And then you'd take out the doubles and all of that. You'd have a pack and some, you know, it would be like that. Some kids had bigger, some had smaller. And that was your, like, either your negotiating pack or your flipping pack. All right. And you put a rubber band around it. And we'd go to school with that. You know, that'd be, you know, we used to have school bags and stuff. Uh -huh. And uh, you'd put that in your school bag or now they have backpacks, you know. Um, <laughs> I, it just and then at recess time, the bell would ring. You'd run out and you'd have grab your pack and be yeah. out there looking for a game. You know, it was like like pinching pennies. You'd be looking for a game, pitching penny. Yeah, and yeah. and you'd be flipping cards and and I mean it was you know you had some arguments sometimes, but there wasn't a lot of arguments about that kind of stuff. You know, and then you go to say, hey, I give you uh, uh, three uh, Vic Davenport's for, uh, you know, uh, uh, Willie Mays or, or Mickey Mail or something more. You'd probably have to give more than that for those guys. But just as an example, you know. Right. And then some, sometimes it'd be, you know, I'll give you uh, two Louis Aparicio for uh, uh Nelly Fox or something because you needed Nelly Fox to complete your team set of the Chicago White Sox or something, and yeah. you had extra of the other guys. So, um, yeah, that was the fun part about it. Now, I, I guess it's done, but as you say, it's more of an investment now, and um, a lot of more high high scale uh, trading going on. Yeah, so uh, we'll be bringing you some card news throughout the year. And as Gary mentioned, we'll have uh, an expert come on and discuss it with us. Let us know what's going on within the hobby. That'll be a fun time. Gary, it looks like uh, the curtain's drawing on this show, but um, baseball's just starting to heat up. We've got an hour left to the start of the games today. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm enjoying the season much more now that we've turn the page of the trade yeah, deadline. Yeah, you're, you're in first place. <laughs> yeah. And it's become more interesting, of course, you know, but it, it, it crept up onto me as a surprise. That the Phillies, you know, uncorked <laughs> this, 
this run, but uh, it's nice. It's uh, it's baseball season. That lemonade's tasting better in the hot weather. We're supposed to get another heat wave. So uh, load up on that lemonade. Sit back, watch the games, enjoy them, listen to them on the radio, whatever your case is. And Gary, it's a joy to have you back on the program. And I can't well, wait for the next you, one. Well, thank you, Rich. And me too. And before we go, just want to uh, give best wishes and a get well quick to Terry Francona, who is uh, having some hip uh, replacement surgery and some foot surgery later on. And looks like he won't be on the bench for Cleveland for the rest of the year. So get well quick, Terry Francona. And Rich, I can't wait till next week so we can talk some more baseball. Me too. You have a great week, Gary, and I'll talk to you then. 